this first image is what happened to have been probably my most uh, common sight in Haiti. It's not what I saw time-wise the most because I spent so much time at the seminary, but it's what I saw most most often as we made our way to and from the second largest city in all of Haiti, Cap Haitian. It's a, a city on the... Uh, on the the northern the northern side of of the the island of Haiti, and um, we we're all we've all heard of uh, Port-au-Prince, which is on the south. That is the largest city, and um, we are aware of the earthquake that happened there several years ago, and the devastation that that wreaked, and the thousands of people who were killed as a result of that earthquake. Well, when that happened, obviously hundreds of thousands of people fled. Port-au-Prince, and many of them settled in what was the next logical choice of a place to live, the second largest city. Uh, Cap Haitian at that time was probably around 300,000, and it tripled within weeks. It's a city now of about a million people, and this is the most common thing you see there. The reason why um, I knew it was going to be difficult getting through Isaiah 35, and I probably should have planned a little bit differently. I probably should have gotten a few more boring passages to read, less uh, emotionally raw. This is a side street, and I'm taking the picture from the highway. This is Highway 1 that passes all along the north of Haiti, and this is as we're entering into Capation, the second largest city, a city of a million people, and that is trash. That is trash that is constantly there. They don't have a public sanitation system. They they don't really have anything planned on what you do with all of your garbage, and so every day people just put their garbage outside on the side of the street, and eventually it gets burned and this is daily life this is the mundane for the people of Haiti and no one notices it um wild animals dogs and pigs and chickens and goats and what else I see that's about it Wander around. Oh, I didn't see any rats, thankfully. Wander around and dig through it, and everybody does their business. Just a, a few feet away, you'd see someone with a fruit stand, and a few feet beyond that, you'll see a barber shop. Barber shops are everywhere. I don't know how everybody keeps their hair short. I guess they get it trimmed like daily or something. There are barber shops absolutely everywhere. And this is what you see all over the place. Um, Lindsay and I are working on a plan that works for everyone to have you all over so that we, so that I can show you a whole lot more pictures because I've got a lot of pictures and show some video footage because there's some of that and, um, you know, share a little bit and ask, uh, allow you a chance to ask questions. But I just wanted to throw that, that image up there to you because this is 
This is what hell on earth looks like. But here's where I spent my time. It's kind of a dark picture. That is the chapel uh, there at Emmaus Biblical Seminary. The seminary is surrounded by a huge uh, concrete wall. It's got a gate out front. They've got security guards around the clock that are local Haitians, and they make sure to pay them very well, very, very well by Haitian standards. It's a very safe place. It is a very beautiful place, and it's tucked right in the midst of a very filthy and dark place. This is something dramatically different. All throughout the day, even at night, 9 o'clock, wandering around campus where it's safe and beautiful and pristine, you'll hear singing coming from that chapel as students from around Haiti. The new students have never met each other. They gather together at all hours of the day and just sing hymns. And many of them are ones that I recognize. In fact, in, they, they sing to begin class. They sing even while you're teaching. If, if they get excited, they might start singing. They did that one day. And um, in fact, my next to last day in class, they wanted to end with a, a hymn. And ah, thank you so much. That was very helpful. Very, very helpful. They started singing, David, a hymn I haven't heard in a long time. Jesus is all the world to me. And when they got to the end, they're singing in French. And when they got to the end, I remember the, the last line of every verse. He's my friend. There were two things that stood out as simply breathtaking to me. And when I say breathtaking, I mean kind of literally breathtaking. You you can hardly you can hardly breathe by it. The unimaginable poverty and the incomprehensible beauty. Bill was giving me a hard time this morning because he said Marshall's only been in Haiti a couple of hours. I've seen a beautiful view from his uh, front porch, his his front door. And I said, well, I posted the same picture. It must not have come through. But um, there's some of the most beautiful scenery and the love and the joy that 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 the people have there that I encountered was it was incomprehensibly beautiful. It doesn't make sense when you see that to see people smiling and laughing. And there was not a single moment where I, and we were out in this city after dark, a few hours after dark, having to walk, having to get back to the van, getting in the van. And there was not a single moment where I felt threatened by anyone. I don't know if that was because the Lord kept me ignorant or or what but the joy and the peace um the beauty that you see in 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 the mountains that you see in the the plant life you know we 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 probably had 20 banana trees all of which were producing bananas and probably 20 coconut trees all of which were producing coconut coconuts an enormous mango tree papaya trees all over the place on campus it was absolutely beautiful it was a little bit of the kingdom of God right there. 
in the midst of what we would rightly describe as hell on earth. The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Mark. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he came out of the boat, that is Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because they had often tried to bind him with chains and shackles. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What? Have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. So Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And so those who fed the swine fled and they told it to the city and in the country and they they went out to see what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might come with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, that's literally the ten cities, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word. Lord, help us to hear you and help us to respond as you see fit. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus cares about those places and those people we'd rather forget. 
Haiti is a place, of course, that has had, it seems throughout its history, just unspeakable devastation and heartache. We're familiar with the earthquake a few years back and all of the millions of dollars that have been raised to help and have been squandered. We sometimes get frustrated by things like that and quite a bit of my time in Haiti talking with um, the missionaries there was filled with frustrated questions like what can we do and what in the world is wrong and why is this like this and you know how could how can how can we change this place of course in recent days we've been reminded of the the terrible conditions of a place like Haiti I imagine right now you're probably thinking, uh-oh, pastor's climbed up on a high horse and here he is to tell us that we should all feel guilty. We live in a land of plenty, right? No? When I think of those places and those people we'd rather forget, I think of not just people living in another country, but we are surrounded by places and by people that we would rather forget. Some of our neighbors and co-workers, some of our family members, you know, we've all got that crazy uncle. Life is filled with people and places that we'd rather forget. And sometimes... We can't help but re- be reminded. You know, there's trouble or there's need. There's something that's come up. And, and so we remember, okay, I need, to, I need to help. I need to do what I can. I need to be a good friend. I need to be a better coworker, Someone beyond just a coworker or an associate. But I need to show the love of Jesus. But then sometimes life gets back into the mundane and back into the normal and back into the everyday. And we tend to forget. But Jesus cares about those places and those people we'd rather forget. One of the things that stuns me about this story of the demoniac living out in a, in a filthy place. For the Hebrews, this is an unclean place. He's living among tombs. That's unclean. There are swine in the area. That's unclean. This is Gentile land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That's unclean. And Jesus makes it a point to go to this man living out in the filth of an unclean world. And at the end of the story, if you'll skip ahead with me just quickly... Jesus tells him, go back to your friends. And every time I read that, I think, wait a minute. Where were his friends? Where was his family? Perhaps he had been forgotten. Because he was an inconvenience. He was a frustration. He was an aggravation. He was someone that just made you feel uncomfortable. But Jesus cares about those places and those people we'd rather forget. 
We need to be reminded every now and again to never put anyone beyond Jesus because He can do the impossible. That's one of the things that the Gospels are all about. Jesus is doing the impossible. He's doing things that no one else can do. That no one else has the power to do. That no one else has the authority to do. And He doesn't do it by magic. Jesus isn't creating voodoo dolls and casting spells. Jesus is simply like the Creator that He is, speaking healing into existence. Speaking restoration and reorder back into the midst of devastation and disorder. Jesus can do the impossible. My constant question in Haiti was what can be done? Like what can we do? What could change this place? It occurred to me late in the week after I'd asked that question probably a a dozen or more times of various people. Some people got asked several times by me and I kept laughing that I'm sorry I keep asking this. I'm just blown away. I could have... I could have seen images on the internet and it still wouldn't make sense. It still didn't prepare me for what I saw absolutely everywhere. You know, you see a picture like the one I just put up there and you think, okay, there's a pile of trash. But when you drive mile after mile after mile and that's all you see, you realize this is not just some picture. This is reality for someone for thousands of someones, for hundreds of thousands of someones. But later in the week, it began to occur to me that the answer, of course, is not in all those places that always seem to give us false senses of answers, government and politics and power and money and that sort of thing. The answer is really in the kingdom of God. What Jesus came to bring, what He is bringing to the Haitian people. Right in the midst of hell on earth, the dirtiest, darkest, most impoverished place we can imagine, and we can't imagine, God is planting the seeds of His kingdom. And those seeds are sprouting. They've been germinating. They're springing up. They're breaking ground and they are beginning to bear fruit. Haiti's a dark place. They, um, we passed by a, a street on, uh, on the highway, Highway 1. I think it's the only highway. That's why they call it Highway 1. It's just the one. So we're driving down the road and out toward the bay, I guess. There's a street where 200 and maybe 30, 40 years ago, the Haitian people sacrificed swine in a Catholic church and prayed to Satan that we will serve you for 200 years if you will help us drive the French away 
they successfully drove the French away. Those 200 years ended just a couple of generations or more ago. The people literally voted and decided to not continue their service of Satan in a formal way. There's still voodoo everywhere. There's still darkness everywhere. But you're talking about an awful lot of darkness that is having that these people are having to get past. Not just generations of darkness, but generation upon generations of darkness. What can be done? What Jesus can do. The impossible. In that uh, last worship service, the, the, the guy with whom I'd been staying, uh, he was there uh, from Ohio to teach a course on evangelism. He was going to be preaching that service and I knew I wasn't going to be able to catch his sermon. And he and I had talked a little bit about it beforehand and I had apologized that I wasn't going to be able to make it. But So we're sitting there and we're singing and he's, of course, praying, trying to get ready to preach. Um, and these Haitian nationals are singing in English. They're smart. They're learning English. They're singing about how God can do the impossible. That God can do anything. That God can draw their people back to Himself. That God can raise the dead. And I thought, what a beautiful and powerful thing the kingdom of God is when it begins to spring up in the midst of hell on earth. You know, the thing about reputations is that they're hard to get beyond. Once you get labeled and you got a reputation, you know, you're that punk kid or... Oh, he's cocky and arrogant. He thinks too highly of himself. It's hard to get past those reputations. Haiti's got a reputation. The demoniac here in this story no doubt had a reputation. He's worthless. He'll never become anything. Those folks in our lives we'd rather forget. But... Again, we need to be reminded to never put anyone beyond Jesus because He can do the impossible. He can rewrite our stories. He can rewrite the story of Haiti's future. He can rewrite the story, and He did, of this demoniac's future. I thought it, I think it's amazing. The demoniac, all he wants to do is be with Jesus because Jesus has done the impossible for him. He's put life back together. He's driven out what has plagued him. Notice the demoniac had even lost his sense of identity. Like, like Gollum or Smeagol in The Lord of the Rings. He no longer knows himself. He can no longer refer to I. I am simply we. The ring, it burns us. Not it burns me. 
the demoniac, we are legion, for we are many. The final chapters of his story might as well have already been written. He was a nobody and he was to be forgotten. He was a danger to himself and a danger to others. If we can't bind him, even with chains and shackles, then we'll do the next best thing and we'll just steer clear of him. Stay away from him. Following Jesus faithfully means living as kingdom ambassadors. You know, Jill, before um, before I left, you said something to the effect of you feel like you're part of the entourage that's sending me, that, you know, I'm kind of going in behalf. And in order to get my passport, David, I had to, I had to draw up a, a letter on the church's letterhead explaining that I've been invited to go teach because there had to be a, a sending group. Someone saying, yes, he's going in our behalf. And yeah, if he gets arrested, we'll bail him out. I signed your name, Bill. <laughs> Faithfully following Jesus. Following him faithfully means living as kingdom ambassadors. In the video that I showed, you know, one of the things that struck me was you see just a sampling of some of the darkness on the outside, and you begin hearing the story of the man. He was one of my students, by the way, who had a dream and jumped on the tap tap. They call it a tap tap because when you want to get off, you tap the roof a couple and you tap tap, and then they slow down and you jump and roll or do whatever it is to safely land on the ground and it just drives back and forth the same exact route the same exact distance all day every day and when it gets to the end it stops and people jump on they pay it drives to the end and if they want to stop somewhere in the middle you tap tap and you jump off so as he approaches the gate outside of EBS the security guard comes to the window and they begin to open the gate and it feels like you're like you're you're stepping out of the desert into some oasis some some new place that's completely unlike what's on the outside and so I was talking to to Matt the the rector of the the seminary there and uh I told him that that's kind of how it struck me and I said and I thought that's pretty interesting and now that I've gotten here I do feel like this is this is an oasis. This is a completely different world in here. He said, I like to fancy this place an embassy of the kingdom of God. And if you're going to be in the embassy, you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom. And life is going to be a bit different here. You're going to get paid different. They hire Haitians and they pay them far better than anything they can make in Haiti and you're going to live as a citizen of the kingdom and when you leave this place you're representing the kingdom you're taking the kingdom and the gospel back out into the darkness of the world and so this place is different because we're teaching our people that they are different they are gods and he can do the impossible he can transform their lives and their communities just like he's transformed this place
the Apostle Paul in his second New Testament epistle to the Corinthians said that, that this is the calling that God has placed upon our lives wherever we are. Whether in Haiti or Marietta. Wherever we are, His calling upon our lives is that He desires to plead through us. He has instilled to us the ministry of reconciliation. God is pleading with the world through us, His church. And so faithfully following Jesus means living in that reality, living in the reality that we are kingdom ambassadors and therefore are to be about kingdom work. When Jesus approached the demoniac, or better yet, as the text tells us, when the demoniac approached him, because he seems drawn to Jesus, Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God into the reality of that man's hell. And as ambassadors for the kingdom, following Jesus faithfully also means taking hope into the hell of others. There's darkness everywhere. It's all around us. The scriptures warn us that if we're not careful, it even begins to seep into us. And so we must be on guard, but there's darkness everywhere surrounding the kingdom. And those living in darkness, those living in the hopelessness of hell, might be tempted to declare that no one cares, no one seems to worry, no one seems to remember, everyone seems to have forgotten. The demoniac was a lost cause. The people of Haiti our lost cause. The neighbor next door who can't seem to get life together is a lost cause. The co-worker who's being unfaithful to his wife is a lost cause. When the demoniac asks Jesus, please let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. I've got something else for you to do. I want you to go back to your friends. You know, I wonder, why did Jesus send the demoniac home? This man wanted to follow you. He wanted to be a part of your entourage. He wanted to go with you. He wanted to be one of your disciples, not just... You know, in his heart and to whatever extent he can in his life. But he wanted to be physically there with you, Jesus. Why send him away? Perhaps Jesus sent him away and sent him back to his friends 
and sent him back to tell them that of the compassion that the Lord had had on him. Perhaps it was to show those who'd rather forget that there's always hope to be found in the king. That the king can do the impossible. He can do things as impossible as streams sprouting up in the midst of the desert. He can build a highway of holiness and invite those who wish to travel it to come along. But those who travel it are different. They're not like the others. They're citizens of the kingdom. And they're marching towards Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. May our lives be characterized by constant and everyday reminder that God can do the impossible. He can do the impossible in us. He can do the impossible with us. And He can do the impossible through us if we will but yield ourselves to His work. Let's pray.